It's called The Gift More Than We Had Hoped, as Warren was saying. Um, so you're going to hear about that. Have you ever had a day that was just like more than a blessing to you? Like it was just above and beyond. Like it was one of those days where you, you ate and you prayed and you loved and you serve. Usually it comes when you're serving, when you're outside of yourself and you're helping other people. And you feel like the day was beyond your expectation, like it was more than you'd hoped it would be. Um, those days don't always come around, but they're good when they are, when they do come around. And uh, when I worked in domestic mission work uh, for many years around North Carolina and helping uh, re- repaint houses or build a wheelchair ramp or you know, what have you, um, it, it was always a, a humbling thing to see uh, how many people would look at these teenagers or adults and say to them, you know, you've been a blessing to me and I'm never going to forget you and, and God's going to bless you in the future and and they, they, they tell you all that sort of thing. And it, and it reminded me of how do I define a blessing? How do you define blessing? Uh, think about that as we read 2 Corinthians 8 together. Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles. And they are very poor, but they also are filled with abundant joy, which is overflowed in rich generosity. For as I can testify, they voluntarily gave according to their means, and even beyond their means, begging us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in this ministry to the saints. And this, not merely as we expected, they gave themselves first to the Lord and by the will of God to us, so that we might urge Titus that as he'd already made a beginning, so he should also complete this generous undertaking among you. Now, as you excel in everything, in faith and speech, in knowledge and utmost eagerness, and in our love for you, so we want you to excel also in this generous undertaking. I'm going to go back to all of that, but again, how do you define the word blessing? It's typically a faux pas for a pastor or preacher to, to quote the dictionary in a sermon. It's kind of a cliche, but I'm going to do that. And the reason you don't want to do it is because typically they use the word in the definition, which to me feels like cheating. Uh, It's like circular, you know. And the word blessing in the dictionary, here it is, the act of one who blesses. (laughs) Come on, Merriam-Webster, we can step it up. Here's some other definitions for blessing, though. Something you say before a meal, or something that contributes to happiness or well-being. I would add a fourth. If I was on the board of directors for Merriam-Webster, if they were like fishing for a guy to help them out, language is always changing, I would say a blessing is something that went over and above your expectation. It was something that you received far greater than what you thought was going to happen, Right? A half-hearted gift, that's not really a blessing. It's kind of a disappointment. Blessings are great, give great joy because they exceeded what you thought was going to happen. And we've all been there. That blessings, in a sense, shatter the glass ceiling of what you thought was to be what could be. Many times we set our expectations of God far too low, and we become sort of jaded and cynical, and we get faith less. But with Jesus, you're always pleasantly surprised, right? I mean, think about it. 
He, he always exceeds expectation, maybe in ways you didn't anticipate or you think could be uh, a, uh, against what your thinking is, but he always goes beyond expectation. And you see this principle in life from top to bottom, uh, not just in our spiritual lives, but, but also, like for example, like let's say you're a student and you're going to write a research paper or you're, you're coming up on a final exam. Yeah, you could skirt by and get a C, you know, you could, or maybe that for you is your ceiling. I don't know. But you could, you could just try and do the bare minimum, right? Or you could go above expectation, right? You could give your teacher that little extra, little extra amount of focus and work and, and exceed the expectation. And it will go well for you if you run a business, right? You don't want to cheat your customers. You don't want to give them some sort of lower experience. You want to give value and trustworthiness, to your customers, you want to exceed expectation. I read that businesses like Costco and Amazon, they spend huge amounts of money and time focusing on how they can give value to their customer. That's more important to them than making the sale, right? Because if you, if you transmit value, it says that you, can, that you can trust us. And it's not just about making money, it's about giving value, it's about exceeding expectation. And Paul today is writing, to a church in a city called Corinth, but he's referring to a church in Macedonia, which is north of Corinth, and he's using the Macedonian church as an example for the Corinthians, and he's saying to them, I want you to outdo one another in good deeds. I, how, can you, how can you not hold back? Don't put a lampshade over your light. It's like he's getting a little bit of what Jesus would say in Matthew chapter 5 that you're the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that can't be hidden. No one after lighting a lamp puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand and gives light to all in the house. So in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. You know, there are many, many ways to be generous than just finances, of course. The Corinthian church was excelling in all these other ways. In verse 7, he said, Since you excel in so many ways, Corinthians, you have great speakers, you have great faith, you have great knowledge, you have great enthusiasm. You're doing all those things well. So I also encourage you to do this well, just as the Macedonians are doing. And he's, Paul is experiencing a, the blessing himself. He says, You have exceeded my expectations, Macedonians. You have gone above and beyond what we thought you could do. He said, they did even more than we had hoped. Like, we had a goal for you, and you went way above it. You gave as much as they were able, Paul says. He even says they went even beyond their ability. That's maybe even on the miraculous, the Macedonians supported the work of the early church. So what's the secret? How are they able to do that? Well, verse 5, Paul writes, the Macedonians' first action, it wasn't about the gift. The first action, Paul says, was that they gave themselves to the Lord as a living sacrifice. Out of that came everything else. Did you know, you know this, you can be materially poor but spiritually rich. You can also be materially rich and spiritually poor. That you, in a sense, can have everything and have nothing. 
How many people have I read about that are multimillionaires, billionaires, and they're, they're, they're miserable? And Jesus said, what is it if you gain the whole world, but you lose your soul? Now, there's nothing evil about having wealth, not far from it. As we know, it's the love of money that's the root of all evil, as that famous saying is. I think God wants to teach us how to be rich unto God with all that we have. And all of us in this room, we are richer than 98% of the whole world. So in a sense, we're all wealthy. So there's nothing wrong with having wealth, but it's how God wants to lead us and be stewards of what he's given us. Now, the world will use people to win money. The church of Jesus calls us to use money to win people. That our goal is not just to create an insular club, but that we are always looking outward. Amen? Because churches that don't look outward, they eventually turn inward and they eat themselves alive. That's what happens. You always have to be pushing out in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's how the Spirit flows through, and he wants us to be a part of that. You always have to be looking out, leveraging whatever God has given us for his money. Money is just a tool, like anything else, that we can leverage for the kingdom. This beautiful building, this cool equipment we put in last year, two years ago, it's great. It's a tool. It's a tool. It's a a mission station for the kingdom of God in this neighborhood to proclaim the good news of the forgiveness of sins and eternal life in Jesus. So likewise, though, you can also be spiritually rich and materially poor. And this is what's happening with the church in Macedonia and Corinthians as well. They were poor. They had no lights, no sound, no computers, no checking accounts, no spreadsheets, no, you know, no social media, no beautiful edifice. They didn't even have a Bible like we think of it today. They had letters getting passed around. They had the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, and they had far less than we do. And those are all important things. But as Paul said, if Paul said they're poor, you can be assured that they're poor. Like, po, po, poor, okay? They're physically, materially poor, but they're rich in the spirit. I don't know how many people I've met over the years who would qualify as materially poor, but they had a peace and a calm in Jesus that was remarkable. I once helped a guy near um, Lenore, who, his name was Coley, and I never forget this guy. He had, he didn't have heat or AC, he had an outhouse, uh, he had chickens running in and out of his house, uh, but just a humble, sweet, Jesus-loving man. The world never noticed Coley Cruz, but God was, you could just feel the presence of the Holy Spirit in his house. Now, how were the Macedonians spiritually rich? As Paul said, they gave themselves to the Lord, and out of that giving to the Lord came the true gift, And Paul said they even begged us to be able to give to the church in Jerusalem, the home office, that they begged us to participate in helping Jerusalem church. The people who had nothing, they gave everything. 
and they were happy about it. Now, the secular world could look at people like that and think they're crazy and think they've lost their minds, but they hadn't lost their minds. That They were blessed deeply by the presence of Jesus in their lives, and a blessing goes above and beyond expectation, and a blessing also says to the world around us that there's more, that there is more to God than you think there is. When we give, it is a witness. It is a witness to the world around us. And we are following in the footsteps of all the churches that have gone before us, all of our great-grandfathers and grandmothers, and the way they pulled together their resources. It's a beautiful thing, really. They pulled together all their resources in one big pot, and we disseminated it out into the world to further the work of God. And I pray in the future to plant new churches. But we are saying to the world when we give, it's above expectation, and there's more. There is more to God than you think there is. He is inexhaustible. His resources never run dry. There is always more to Jesus than you think there is. Because if Jesus is alive and death is defeated, then everything that we hold, we hold with an open hand. Because it all will return to God one day anywhere, anyway. James Kennedy gives a great illustration about there being more and the church's witness of that through our giving. In the, in the country of Spain, in the 15th century or so, they would look out across what we call the Atlantic Ocean, they would call the Western Sea, and they would look out across that, the sun shining upon the surface of the water, and they would wonder, they would wonder if there was anything beyond that water, but they didn't know. Scholars would say that if you went out there, you would sail off the edge of the world. And there are probably some people today that still believe that, maybe. So there's nothing out there. In fact, the official motto of Spain at that time on their coat of arms was ne plus ultra, which translated is there is nothing beyond. One day, a man named Columbus went on a journey on the shiny waters, and he sailed off into the sunset as the people waited for months, years, with great anxiety for him to return. And soon they saw the sails on the horizon, and the people were overjoyed. And Columbus announced there was a land beyond that western sea, and it was a glorious paradise. And the king of Spain changed their motto to plus ultra. There is more beyond. For many centuries, innumerable people have stood at the graveside as they watched their loved ones be lowered into the earth. And people have looked into that hole in the ground, and they have asked themselves, beyond these dark waters of death, is there more? Is there more beyond One day, a bright Messiah went on a journey into the setting sun, and he descended into the blackness of the pit, and he sailed off the edge of the world, and the people waited expectantly for days of great darkness. And finally, on resurrection morning, as the sun rose in the east, the Son of God stepped forth from a grave and declared, there is more beyond There is paradise beyond your greatest expectation. There is a heavenly father waiting to embrace 
and wipe every tear from your cheek who will do and give far more than you can possibly imagine. And since that day, the church has always hopefully been declaring, if we had a coat of arms, it should always say, there is more. Let us repent of a scarcity mindset that God is somehow weak or incapable. That if the stone has rolled away and he lives, my friends, if God is for us, who can be against us? Nothing can separate, from us, from, separate us from his love. And we have been declaring to the world since that day, there is more. And when we give as a blessing to go above and beyond expectation, we glorify God and we say to the world as a witness, there is more. There is more yet to come. The best is yet to be. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that with you there is always more. Forgive us for the ways we put our eyes down and we take our eyes off the horizon and we forget, God, that your promises are always fulfilled, that your word is always true, and that you will always accomplish what you have set to accomplish. Thank you, God, that when we give of all that we are, that we point to a greater future ahead of us with great expectation. And we look forward, God, to see how you will rise above even our high expectations and be faithful as you always are. I pray over my friends this morning that they would know the peace of Jesus upon their lives and know, God, that you are the great giver, the giver of good spiritual gifts, the giver of wisdom, the giver of knowledge, the giver of eternal life, the giver of forgiveness of sins, the giver of strength and hope and love and joy that you pour out gifts because you're good.